Welcome to Good Bad 2, the sequel. I'm John. You can tell it's a sequel because you started off with All Right as if we have already had a full conversation about this podcast and it's already begun and this is the sequel of part one. When actually, in fact, it is part two, the sequel. I am Danielle. <laughs> that is Danielle. Uh, we yeah. are going to be reviewing bad movies that are good. Are they good? good? Good movies that are bad. They're bad. Good bad movies. We're going to start off with Mortal Kombat, the epic 1995 martial arts movie based on a video game, which I didn't tell you this last night when we were watching it, but when I was a kid and this came out, me and my friends watched this movie seven times in one night on VHS. Wow. Back when you had to rewind it and everything. Wow. We didn't sleep. When I was a kid and this came out, I didn't watch it because I was a girl. (laughs) (laughs) And I still am today, but anything that had to do with Power Rangers or Kung Fu or neon colors that wasn't pink and purple in 1995, I had nothing to do with that. Except Great. for race cars, I was into that. Great. So this was your introduction as a grown-ass woman yeah. into the world of techno music and neon ninjas. Oh no, I wasn't around in the 2000s. I know all about techno music. But... Okay, so well, let's get into it. Do you remember the very first thing you said when the movie first started? Was it a... Was it a phrase or was it just a look? Like, what are you doing? So the, the New Line Cinema thing comes on. <laughs> the music starts. Oh, the classic so Mortal Kombat music starts. Yeah. And you go, what year is this from? And I said, 1995. And you went, oh boy. <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> it was so bad. Definitely not stereo. It there was wasn't bad. even an image on the screen yet. And you were already trepidatious. Yeah, trepidatious. So, that's a word that I know. Ooh, that's after one coffee, boyfriend. So, Fabulous. the... Main theme, which I wrote this down, is played four times in that movie. The the very beginning, the very end, and then twice in the actual body of the movie was written by Buckethead. What? Yeah. Was he proud of it? I don't know. I didn't look into it. Mm -hmm. But, so he can rest forever and ever on the money from the Mortal Kombat theme because that went platinum in two weeks, the soundtrack to that movie. No way. Yeah. Wait, are we allowed to cuss in this podcast? No fucking way. (laughs) (laughs) So when I took karate when I was a kid, the Uh only thing we listened to was the Mortal Kombat soundtrack CD. Those poor karate teachers. No, it was amazing. I kept paying longer than I should have, or my dad did, because we were listening to that music. That's what I was there for. Wow. That that soundtrack dominated 13-year-olds in 1995. Gross. Think about all those karate teachers. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get into the BDSM component later on, but... (laughs) Uh, <laughs> this is going south before 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> Think about all of the karate teachers who are retiring in comfort because of the amount of 13-year-old boys who took extra karate classes because of the soundtrack. Yeah, that's how big of an impact this movie had. They were drinking espresso, not just coffee. All right, so when when the movie starts and uh, Shang Tsung has... <clears throat> 
Liu Kang's brother, and he's beating the shit out of him, and then he starts talking directly to camera. Oh, that was terrifying. You had a, you had a reaction. Yeah, I I was like, how can he look into my soul, not knowing that the point of the movie is that he can get your soul? I had no idea. It was terrifying. <laughs> so, so you you had a actual emotional response. Yeah, I had an emotional response. It I was really uncomfortable. I I turned away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then we start meeting all of our main characters. Um, I forget what order it goes in, but you got Raiden, who you had asked me if he was supposed to be Asian or not, which is Christopher Lambert, the guy with the rice paddy hat and the white hair. Yeah, he looked kind of like Antonio Banderas. Um, yeah, a little, little bit. bit. Um, so, I don't know if Raiden's actually Asian or not in the in the video game, but he's certainly not Christopher Lambert in a rice paddy hat. That, that shit's awful. Uh, that's real bad. Do you know who else was considered for that role, though? Antonio Banderas. Danny Glover. What? <laughs> that that would have been interesting. Wow. Yeah, okay. Um, then you've got Liu Kang. Oh, that's who you meet first. Yeah. You meet Liu Kang in his... You meet him second. In, in his green bedroom. Yeah, why? Was he, like, living behind a sign, maybe? Maybe, yeah. I know that they said a couple of times that he had he had gone away from, from the Shaolin Temple and he had gone to America. Apparently in America... It's neon. It's just neon green. Everywhere. Even when you're trying to sleep. And Maybe you have nightmares about a guy stealing your brother's soul if you mm-hmm. sleep with your room lit up green. Well, uh, he was in the one place in America that could still receive a telegraph that day. <clears throat> uh, Telegram? What is it called? Western Union sends them. <laughs> They're very morbid. Is that what he got? That's what the thing was, yeah. It uh, said what that. happened to his brother. Spoiler alert. He died. <laughs> he died. <laughs> um, then you have Johnny Cage, who is played by Lyndon Ashby. The only other thing that he was in of note is the MTV version of Teen Wolf, the TV show. Jesus. <laughs> okay. Do you think that that guy, Lyndon Ashby, Johnny Cage, do you think that he was a martial artist? Mm, no. You didn't buy his kung fu skills? No, I just thought he had really good range of motion on his legs. He had a really high like roundhouse. That is correct. He trained karate and taekwondo before filming the movie and did most of his own stunts, but he was not ever a martial artist before that. I thought that guy was pretty good, actually. He wasn't like, bad. He he was he was one of the highlights of the movie. He looked like a guy who trained in martial arts before he took this movie on. Yeah, so that role, so the character of Johnny Cage in the game, is based on Van Damme. Your top five nice. over fifty. Oh yeah. Well, he did have a nice split scene at the end where he did the uh, ball punch. Mm, yes. Goro. Um. Oh, we're going to get into Goro. I have got so much to say about Goro. Me too. And uh, By the way, dear listener, we have no idea how long this podcast is going to run, so I hope you have your coffee and your street waffles ready. (laughs) (laughs) So Van Damme was going to do the movie and be Johnny Cage, but he took Street Fighter instead. (gasps) Which have you? I don't. You probably have never seen Street Fighter. We'll definitely cover it on this. Okay, no, it is so good, bad, so good, bad. The guy that plays Gomez Adams is in it as M Bison. It's epic. Okay, and then uh, at some point we met Sonya Blade, who is played by uh, Bridget Wilson Sampras, Pete Sampras's wife, and she is uh, Veronica Vaughn in Billy Madison, which is probably where you recognized her from. Maybe. 
Um, and I think she was in, what was the movie with uh, Lindsay Lohan where she's twins? The Parent Trap? I think she's in that. That, whatever that one is. I think she's in there. But the first time we meet Sonya, she's like looking for Kano and Jax says like, oh, I don't, I don't trust, trust this or whatever. And she goes, I only trust one person and you're talking to her. And that was the very first eye roll that I saw you have. <laughs> that was the first one that you saw. <laughs> <laughs> I was laying down. <laughs> um, and then, I don't know, they, they somehow they all decide that they got to go fight in this tournament, and then they go to the island. They didn't have that decision to make, because um, Shang Tsung came over, and he remember he chose them. Right, didn't he yeah, so he like, tricked, them? he like tricked Johnny Cage by being a fat guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, the director of Johnny Cage's movie that he was on, did you notice that he looked like Steven Spielberg? Yeah. So Steven Spielberg wanted to be in this movie and do a cameo, but he couldn't because he was busy. busy. So they just got somebody who looks like Steven Spielberg to say, I'm going to be back directing Traffic. Okay. Which was the first eye roll that I had. Wow. That's, uh, oh, all right. This is very strange. All right. What's next? What's next to go over here? Um, so, yeah, so they get kidnapped. They're, they're, in the, they're in the island for a tournament. Okay, so I wrestled in high school. I watch a lot of sports. I'm very familiar with how a tournament is supposed to work. It is not a random bunch of fights in random locations. Oftentimes, no one even knows that they're taking place. So Johnny Cage fights Scorpion out in the middle of a forest and we'll definitely get into that fight. And no one would have even been there to witness it. And there was no like, this person fights the winner of this fight. It was unbelievably disorganized tournament. You would think if you can take people's souls and you have your own island that you could at least draw up a bracket. Maybe he had the omniscient eye. Maybe he just knew when there was a fight going on the entire time. Maybe it's the kind of thing where if somebody doesn't turn up for their fight because they're dead, then they automatically lose. But he's got to be there to take their souls. Does Scorpion have a soul? No, he's a demon. Right. So that was kind of like a null fight. Okay, so what was the worst fight? The worst fight? Yeah. Uh, only, let me refer to my list here. <laughs> One moment, please. <laughs> to me, uh, it was Johnny Cage and Scorpion, because Scorpion is the coolest character in the game and the weakest character in the movie. First of all, he has a, a spear on a chain. That's cool. He doesn't have an alive dragon that lives inside of his hand. What mouths? the flying fuck is that? That was very phallic, by the way. Oh, yeah. That thing was very disturbing when it would, like, protrude out. And then peek out a bit more, and then a little farther, and then it would be like, ah, I'm ready for you. And then it would go out, wrap itself around ten trees, and then hang out in midair, looking around for, for Johnny Cage, who had run away through this open, visible uh -huh. forest of, what what are those, birch or some shit? I but, don't know. Like, that was, that was, a god. so then they go through, like, a portal, because Scorpion's a demon, which is not explained at all. If you don't know anything about the game, you would have no clue why he can create a portal to go to what looked like hell, something like hell, 
And then they fight on a painter's scaffolding because hell is under construction at the moment. <laughs> right. They're remodeling right. hell. Well, they didn't really get the licensing for hell in this movie. See, it's <laughs> far too expensive. Lucifer charges a pretty penny for these sort of things. So they went behind the scenes. <laughs> they went to the movie set hell. Behind hell. Uh. <laughs> and then in the game, one of the coolest fatalities is when Scorpion pulls his mask off and his head is a skull and he blows fire on people. So they tried to do that in the movie, but they had a like lifeless, motionless skull head that it looked like your seventh grade history or uh, science skeleton. Well, every effect in this movie was really bad. The special effects were atrocious, and yeah, like you can't get away from 1995 CG. It's really bad. Like I actually wrote that down probably within the first five minutes of this movie, already knowing, and then already thinking back to watching Blade, which was a little bit even more advanced in this movie. You cannot get away from 1995 CG. Oh no, because they and thought they that they had it on lock, thick. and it was, it was awful. It was so bad. It, it was, was. I was like, they might have well have just have illustrated it like a cartoon. Okay, so yeah, you can't get away from it. There's nothing you can do about the fact that it's 1995 and it's going to look bad. But the practical effects also bad are also really, really bad. Like, if, if you can have Jurassic Park two years previous to this, <laughs> two years beforehand uh-huh. is Jurassic Park, uh-huh. and you get a uh-huh. skull with just the mouth that's going up and down and some fake fire coming out of it, and then he chops off the head and orange goo comes out of it, and, and then it explodes for no reason. And you had, a movie, you had a movie that both Steven Spielberg and Tom Cruise looked in on? Yes, and Tom, you couldn't get the funds. Tom Cruise tried to visit the set, and the security guard told him to kick rocks. <laughs> Should have asked him for his wallet. <laughs> um, some. Uh, what do you think of the dialogue of this movie? There just was in general. <laughs> just, I thought it was just people reading lines and looking towards each other. <laughs> um, it was. It was. Uh, it was appropriate for what it was. It was. It's a Mortal Kombat, right? Like every line is supposed to be something ridiculous that somebody wants to put on a poster. Every, every line is supposed to be like braggadocio and uh, high testosterone, even if it's Sonya Blade or Katana or something like that. It's Every line is meant to be memorable, meaning that there's not going to be an appropriate like shoulder up to or down from these lines in a normal flow of dialogue. It's just, it's, it was terrible. Okay, so we've got written down here our worst and best lines. What was your, what was your worst line? Um, it's worst and best line. Yeah. No, well, right. Oh, it's the same. Yours is both. Yeah, it's the okay, same. Okay, it's the same. Okay. Because this is good, bad. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was spoketh by Radon. Who <laughs> may or may not be Asian, but definitely is not Asian. He might be Antonio Banderas' cousin, we're not sure. Uh, it's So it's when he is on the boat with Sonia, with Lu Chang, and Johnny Cage. And he's explained to them the terms of their fight and the gravity of their involvement in this fight. And he says, the fate of billions will depend on you. Ha ha. Sorry. I wrote, I wrote down for that, um, the, the fate of billions will depend on you, bro laugh. <laughs> we wrote down the same line. And that wasn't that wasn't my it's like, that's not my I just put it as a note, but I put down bro laugh. Well because it was like it was like he was literally reading H A space H A <laughs> from a teleprompter. Like it was so bad. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. I apologize for being a dickwad. <laughs> 
So, so my, actually, let me do my, my best line first and then, and then I'll tell you my worst line because my worst is going to lead into a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. So my best line, which I think you were asleep for actually, mm-hmm. is when Johnny Cage fights Goro and he w- walks out wearing his sunglasses for the first time in the whole, I'm thinking maybe he was wearing sunglasses when he was filming his fake movie. He was filming, yeah. But they, this is the first time that they've come back, and you're going, "Why is he? Why is he wearing sunglasses now?" And Goro breaks them, and then he he nut punches him, mm-hmm. and then he runs up to the top of the mountain, and then he kicks Goro off the mountain, and he falls down. And after he's gone, like every great action hero, your one-liner has to be when no one's around to hear it. He goes, "Those are five hundred dollars sunglasses, asshole!" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yes, that is proper." action cheese right there from the 90s that is like arnold level one liner <laughs> that's what it's supposed to be uh... my worst line is from goro who is talking to shang sung and shang sung's telling him you know that he's got to win because if he doesn't blah 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 who gives a shit and goro raises all four arms in the air and he says i do not fail Rah! And he said it with the periods in there. I period do not period fail period. <laughs> Why can Goro not do anything other than put all four arms up? I have that written down too. And it's actually <laughs> going to come up a bit later as well. So like... in my notes, I realized that uh, in my research, Goro is an animatronic that takes 13 to 16 people to operate. And all they managed to accomplish was arms up and arms down. Actually, his facial expressions were pretty good for being practical. That's true. Yeah. He, he did okay. Cause like, so I was imagining this being like a real man with his lower arms. And then maybe the real man has a little peephole out of his sternum area in Goro's body. <laughs> and then on top of the real man, you've got an additional pair of animatronic arms and the head. And then you've got your puppeteers managing all of that however they are doing it. And so everything but the face was pretty good, even though it looked like uh, Dinosaur is a TV show lots of times. Like that really big, <laughs> all, all wide mouth. All four arms up. Not the mama! Not the mama! <laughs> oh shit, not again. This is what happened when you're... Oh, wow. Is that him all grown up? Yeah, I think so. He grew up to it's, be Goro? Well, he got in a fight. Prince Goro, see? sorry. And they st- they uh, took his soul, so this is what he left with. Ah, it's I not see. a bad gig. I see. Mortal Kombat is a sequel to Dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah. Just like this podcast is a sequel. Yeah, I think it's probably like part five, actually. Oh. It's pretty far down the road. But, yeah. So, Goro's... All, all of their attention went on his face and the top two arms. And then the next two arms are like, well, he's got four arms. We should do something with him. Might as well move him. Like, that's it. There was nothing up else. Or down. The only time that the four arms were functional is when he had just killed... What's his face? And he broke his back and he held him up over his head. Art? Yeah. His name is Art and you will always remember him because in the movie, apparently it was a great emotional distress (laughs) to all of the cast that this guy that three of them had never spoken to, Uh when he died, they all shouted, No! (laughs) Yeah, they were very upset. But that was the only time that the other arms were used. When he was holding up his dead lifeless body broken art above his head and the other two arms were like i don't know if they're clapping or they were doing something of function that was the only time in the whole movie they were like oh yeah we got a use for these other two arms great 
<laughs> when Art died, I was laughing my ass off at the cast being so upset that the also don't know if you noticed it was 1995 so they put the only black guy in the cast in a martial arts getup uh-huh. and timberlands no i didn't notice the timberlands yeah, yeah he's wearing timberlands in the main cast though because they had quite a few people of color in this movie yeah just like i mean in the in the like People with lines. <laughs> yeah, not even the core cast, because that guy sort of like just came and went. Well, Jax was in there in the beginning, too, but he doesn't have metal arms, and we didn't even know who he was, so it doesn't matter. Was he the first fighter? No, he was the guy with Sonya oh. who asked her if she trusted anybody. Oh. And he was like, don't go in there! And she went in there anyways because she was after Kano. Hmm. Kano looks really cool in this movie. And in the game, he was Japanese until this movie, and because the creators liked him so much... They switched him to be Australian um, because Trevor Goddard had done such a good job with the character being Australian. Only problem is Trevor Goddard was born in England. Yeah, this was Australian. He had put on an Australian accent. He did? That's... Said, I didn't notice it. Said, I noticed a real thick London accent. He said mate several times. <laughs> and? Anywho, they tried to make him, they did make him Australian in the game. Even though this actor is not Australian. Yeah, and neither was his accent in this movie. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> okay, this movie is... La- the needle is now veering more towards bad, bad. Yeah, okay. When I'm looking under the covers, I'm starting to see a few more bed bugs under here. <laughs> well, that's the game. That's not the movie. Well, still. Okay, no, so... No, no, the movie... Is, that was supposed to be an Australian accent? I always thought it sounded Australian. Garbage. Wow. Okay. All right. He sounded just like Paul Look, Hogan. I've never been to Australia, and I can tell you what a fake Australian accent probably doesn't sound like. It. It's know, not that. I know a goddamn fake Australian when I see one. <laughs> they might look like the rest of us, but I know. So, what did you think about Sonia's story arc with Kano, where her whole thing was that she was looking for revenge? She got it within the first half hour of the movie, and then she immediately became the damsel in distress at the end. So, can we skip ahead to my thesis statement? No. Okay. Um, can we skip ahead to my... Never mind, I don't want to do that yet either. Um, I really thought it was very interesting that it was basically like... You don't really see many man versus woman fights ever, real or fake, that are actually on you know, fairly equal ground. That was really cool. I liked it. Like, she got knocked out. He got knocked out. They were just punching and a kicking and a swinging. I was like, all right, I like this. This is great. Like, let her fight. No one tried to save her. I was like, this is pretty good. But then, yeah, all of a sudden, he grabs her by her hair, and she's screaming and going into a tunnel with him. And then the next time we see her, she's in full-on bondage. She's got her 80s hair up. Like, mind you, this is 1995, right? She's got something going on there. She's got... For some reason, Kano... Changed clothes for her. He put her in like a little leather mini skirt. Shang Tsung. Oh, yeah. Shang Tsung did that. That's right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He did that. I was falling asleep. But <laughs> I remember this part. Why is she all of a sudden dressed like this? She's She's got like caveman bondage going on. Yeah, she was in like a... She was in like a... Uh, like a slutty military calendar shoot costume before that, right? Yeah. Like like uh, Miss Artillery July. Uh-huh. And with, then... the, with a gap headpiece. <laughs> <laughs> and then Shang Tsung was like, nope, not slutty enough. And he put her in like rags, like super slutty slave rags mm-hmm. and chained her up. And when, when he's taking her away, 
the men of the main cast are telling him he's a coward for choosing to fight her. Why is all of the, all of a sudden why is it cowardly for someone to fight her when before that she was a total hard ass and she broke a dude's neck with her legs? Right? <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> it, like they needed a damsel in distress and they just grabbed the first female nearby. Yeah, they had what two to choose from? Oh, they had Katana. So I'll, I'll jump ahead to my worst performance, Katana. Every time she talked, it was like she was reading. A Chinese food takeout menu. <laughs> Her dialogue was unbearable. Like everybody else was like bad, but it fit the movie, and it, they were all on the same level. And in a bad movie, she stood out as being the worst. Let me ask you this: Do you know in your movie research does she have any training in martial arts? No, she was in. Um, she was in License to Kill, one of the Bond movies. Okay. Um, she was in that with the, with Carrie Hirokui Tagawa, who plays Shang Tsung. They were both in that. And that was the only real credit that, of note that I noticed for her, she, other than Mortal Kombat 2, Annihilation, which I may or may not subject you to in the future. So I think... She had no purpose being in this movie except for that she's extremely beautiful. Like, I think that was the only thing that she had going for her. Because she wasn't a good actress. Awful. I wasn't... Can What's her name? Her, the actress? Mm-hmm. Uh, Talisa Soto. I'm not convinced that English is her first language, which is fine. But it sounds like... Her, it sounds like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Hercules in New York reading English lines for the first time. <laughs> that is... Okay, so for the future of this podcast... The spectrum of bad line reading starts at Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> in Hercules in New York, and it goes up from there. It has to. <laughs> Let it be known. It's going to be like the Top Gear ranking, right? Yeah. Like, we'll have little magnetic strips. That is the bottom. That is, yeah, that's, that the, is that's the slowest zero. lap time. <laughs> that's the slowest lap time. Well, she's just above that. She's got a tenth of a second shaved off of that one, but it's... It's not good. <laughs> who's who's your worst performance? Um, I'm, I, I didn't write her down because she was so forgettable. My worst performance um, was the intro music. The music was your worst performance. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and also, Goro was real bad. Really bad. Just yeah. all around bad. Yeah, that fake dude who doesn't exist did a shit job of acting he was in this movie. So bad. Um,. <laughs> Johnny Johnny Cage, I think, is sort of a given on that list, but he also what? knew. What he, hold on, hold on. I will not let on. you sully hold the on. good name of Johnny Cage. All right, hold on. So, but he knew he was in a good bad movie. He was doing it right. He was exactly what he should have been. I was genuinely shocked when I did my research to look at it and find that he hadn't really done much else of note. Like, he was he was perfect for a '90s acting guy. Like he's an attractive dude. He delivers his line how he should have, which in this movie, full of cheese, cheese on cheese on cheese. He, I don't, I don't know how to, he fit this movie better than anybody else. Like he yeah. knew what he was a part of and he leaned into it. And he never, like, he was given real bad stuff to say, but he never said it poorly. You know what I mean? Like, I Shang Tsung also had, he did really well. Okay, I thought you were he, about to say something bad about Shang Tsung. We were going to have beef. No, no, I think he knew what this movie was, and he, he did really good at pushing the story arc along because he had the right amount of intensity and believability for it, of being the bad guy, but he was still, like, just humorous enough 
where he like he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was getting into. Whereas Radon just was a joke the entire time. Like, what is this guy? They didn't even try giving him a good skullet. It was terrible. <laughs> skullet. Raid Radon. <laughs> well, he's Spanish, you see. Antonio Banderas. Don Ray. <laughs> Um, okay, so while we're on the topic of worst performance, yes. who was who was your MVP? Who was your who was your best performance? Who or what? Lu Chang's hair. I put Lu Chang's hair too. <laughs> as Say soon Chang. as as soon as we were both Chang. writing down at the same time, I'm like, I'm pretty sure she wrote down <laughs> Lu Chang's hair. So you can see here I wrote actually Lu Chang because I didn't know yet. So here's a K. So you can see I wrote Lu Kang, and then. Later on, when he was doing some jumps at flip doos I wrote down... <laughs> flip I wrote down apostrophe S hair to add to there was, the actual... There MVP. was, like, as soon as you see him in his green light, I was like, this guy's got some fucking majestic hair. Holy so shit. But there was one fight oh, no, with... Okay. I think it was the fight with uh, the guy who sounded like a tiger in the beginning. The, like, real, like, long, buff black dude. They had a bow staff. Oh, yeah. And when he got done with that fight, I guess it's real humid in Outworld, his his hairs had, like, I don't know what you call them, like, licks. Like, they were, it was, like, sticking <laughs> up. He, it looked like a drawing of anime hair. And I was like, I, I would never been more jealous of a man's hair before. <laughs> it I, was beautiful. I wanted I to hold it. I wanted Liu Kang's mane. There was, a, there was a scene where he's perfectly centered in the shot. And he's, I think he just got done with a fight and he, he's like bent over and then he flips up like this and his hair gets in a big mane around him and it's backlit just like nine and a half weeks. And his <laughs> hair is the star of the show. And, and you were just beautiful. thinking about Mickey Rourke going to town on him. Uh, no, I wasn't, but uh, that sort of fits with the theme of this movie, actually. So his hair um yeah. and then I, the other mvp was the fight between kano and sonya blade i really like that fight that is pretty like that's but that's why it's so weird that she becomes the like captive slave at the end because she's a fucking badass in the beginning well when you have the same director who casts what's her face as katana who's completely useless and she's she's just a pretty body to look at of course you're gonna have the one heroine also be too weak to defend herself the director is paul anderson he's done quite a few things paul ws anderson okay. not the same paul anderson this paul anderson is responsible for event horizon which at the time was an epic movie and now is totally terrifying. very very fit for a good bad Ooh. to the sequel <laughs> he also did alien versus predator okay. which is a hot piece of garbage very fitting for this podcast and he did the death race sequels which are also really bad. So this is his wheelhouse. My other MVP besides Liu Kang's hair was just Shang Tsung in general. Like, I love that character so much. Even though half of what he says is great and the other half is just finish him and <laughs> flawless victory. Which, by the way, he says flawless victory. Someone says flawless victory four times. Only two of them actually are victories where they didn't get touched. I noticed that. So they just were thrown in video game terms in there. <laughs> Um, okay, what is your unredeemable moment? The, this is going to be the part of the movie for Good, Bad 2, the sequel, where there's just no coming back once this part happens. The moment that you think is just the, the, the reason you would explain to somebody else that this movie is Good, Bad. 
What's your unredeemable moment? I wrote down four lines under this section. Three of them are Goro's forearms. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, one of his arms you liked? <laughs> no, three of my points oh, have to do with <laughs> Goro using all four arms always, Goro's forearmed shadow, and then I just wrote any Goro scene with two lines under it. Man, you really detest Goro. <laughs> um, that was bad. And also the scene where Scorpion uh, is fighting with Johnny Cage and it, 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 they're in that forest and he says, get over here. <laughs> it's that's, just so cheesy. I know that's his line, but it was so bad. Yeah, so they, they leaned into the video game lines way too much because one time there would have been great. And if he said, get over here and he had a spear on a chain, mm -hmm. that would have been fucking cool. And then he said, get down here. But instead, he had a dick dragon in his arm and he that's did. not cool. He did. So my my unredeemable moment is that same fight. Like... I, I want so badly to see a movie where Sub-Zero and Scorpion get treated correctly, and this movie ain't it. Like, And I, to be honest with you, I love this movie still, in spite of the <laughs> fact that the coolest characters get treated like shit. Um, what was your favorite part? Favorite part? Um, yeah, Sonya, Blade versus Kano. Yeah, that part is super cool. That was cool, because that's where... It felt like it was really building up to that part, and then there was there was kind of an appropriate uh, amount of time spent on it, and they didn't make her just like get hit and knocked down twenty times, and then she just comes back with one ball punch and knocks him out. Like they actually gave her equal footing. So Sonia was originally so so Bridget Wilson was going to play Sonia. Yeah. But the production was taking, pre-production was taking too long, so she took Billy Madison instead. And she was Veronica Vaughn. So hot, want to touch the hiney? And then they cast Cameron Diaz. And Cameron Diaz was training for the movie, and she got hurt, which delayed production, and then Bridget Wilson came back. Wait, Cameron Diaz was training for Sonia in this movie? Mm -hmm. So this could have had JCVD and Cameron Diaz in it. And, and Danny, Danny Glover. And Steven Spielberg. Yep. Yep. The tides have turned. This was a successful movie. It was it cost eighteen million to make, and it made one hundred and twenty-two million in nineteen ninety-five. I believe that. So it would not have been out of the realm of possibility for those people to be involved in it. Like it was this a big only, production. This only cost eighteen million. That's... I mean, in nineteen ninety-five, that's that's it's well, still... uh, more than it is now, but it's not a huge budget. No, that's. Kind of impressive. Seventeen and a half million of it was Goro. Somebody's fudged the numbers. <laughs> yeah, and twenty million of that seventeen and a half million dollars was three of his four arms. Cause movie <laughs> so as much as I shit on the treatment of Scorpion and Sub Zero, my favorite part is the the what you called the Indiana Jones moment, where Sub Zero is going to fight the goon, mm -hmm. the the like shrouded goon who's in zero percent body fat and he spends mm -hmm. 10 minutes warming up and cracking his ribs I don't know <laughs> that was super gross i don't know why that's beneficial in a fight and then sub-zero freezes him and he shatters and his head lands at shang sung's feet if the whole movie was stuff like that it would have been the greatest movie ever made you just take the epic soundtrack which is one of my highlights by the way <laughs> 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 and you make it people shattering and heads coming off and make it violent you got yourself a good movie right there. 
So we're on a month-to-month contract here at our new home, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> I did not know that about you. I'm going to listen to it when you're not here. <laughs> um, okay, now we can get into your thesis statement. So so this is going to be your kind of your bold thought concerning the good-bad movie that we have viewed. Uh, mine's more of a summary. Okay. Uh, equal Opportunity Cosmic Martial Arts movie that ends with a heavy dose of classic 90s bondage okay that's um dead on balls accurate (laughs) (laughs) um how about yours so mine is let me preface it by saying in reality this is a bad movie it's poorly written it's poorly acted the martial arts scenes at the time were good but in a post john wick world are really boring um, the soundtrack is an acquired taste, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, the casting choices, for the most part, are pretty poor. But I love it a lot. And I'm going to say that this is still the best video game movie. And that is not <laughs> as much admiration for this movie as it is condemning all other video game movies. So this is actually going to be at the top of the uh, the magnetic ranking chart, and all other <laughs> movies will fall under it. <laughs> movies based on video games are just historically terrible. Yes. Like the Lara Croft ones made money, but they're really bad. The the Resident Evil ones are are intentionally bad and have almost nothing to do with the video game, but well, people still go see them. Right, because you get people who are handed these tasks of like. Okay, here's a video game movie. Here's the characters. Do something with them, and they're like, "Oh, this guy's got four arms. What are you gonna do with the other two? <laughs> <laughs> up, they go up. <laughs> um, there's really just almost no video game movies that are worth a shit. Uncharted is coming out soon, and maybe that one will be good. It seems to be being being treated good, but this is still my all-time favorite video game movie because the 90s martial arts kid in me will never stop loving this movie. Wait, so you didn't like the Mario and Luigi movie? Oh, we're, we're doing that on here. <laughs> we are doing that on here. Mario, Mario, and Luigi, Mario. <laughs> One of them is English and the other is Puerto Rican. It's going to be so bad. (laughs) These are the types of movies where I think back to them and I don't remember a lot of them. And I think, was I drunk? And no, I wasn't. I was not drunk. But my memory just won't store them because my memory is like, you don't need this in there. (laughs) All right. So then the last part, is this movie good, bad, or just bad? Good, bad. Good, bad. Yeah. What's our what's our classification? Like well, would you tell somebody else to watch it? Would you tell somebody yeah. else like, yeah, this movie is pretty rough, but you should watch somebody it because it's else. a good time. Is it a good time or not? It's a good time. Yeah. I would. There I have a few friends actually, if they were if they were into this sort of thing, I'd be like, Yeah, you gotta watch Mortal Kombat. It's pretty it's pretty crazy. So obviously I love this movie, so I'm gonna say good, bad too, only because good isn't one of the options. <laughs> <laughs> I love Mortal Kombat. Um, I would tell everybody to watch it, whether they were friend or enemy. So when you go to court and pay your 20 traffic tickets and you go to the judge, you're like, hey judge, I got a tip for you. You're going to want to wipe out all of these traffic offenses. Yeah, when they're like on on the charges of 
decapitation mm-hmm. by spine rip out. How mm-hmm. do you plead? Mm-hmm. And I'll say flawless victory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about does it for us. Um, where can the folks reach you? You can't touch this. <laughs> oh, I meant like social media wise. No, get out of here. No one can reach me. Leave oh. me alone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and we will be back with another good bad movie on Good Bad Two, the sequel. Send us money. <laughs>